Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. Unauthorized access sounds like a line from the classic 1980s movie, War Games. And you might be surprised to learn that the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, or CFAA, was partly passed in response to that movie's plot as a way to thwart hackers. But what does unauthorized access look like today? And spoiler alert, it's not just for hackers anymore. So instead of playing games, let's talk to today's guest on Cybersecurity Simplified. Lori Ma, product counsel at Google, is an expert on aligning business goals and legal strategies, especially when it comes to security, compliance, and privacy. She's joining us today to discuss the Supreme Court's recent Van Buren versus United States ruling and what it means for you. Stay tuned. Hi, friends. My name is Susanna Song, co-host of this podcast. I'm Dave Barton, co-host as well. How are you today, David? I'm great. I'm uh, excited to hear from Lori as well. Lori, welcome to the uh, the podcast. Thank you for having me. And David is repping his favorite mascot. That well, you know, the, the, what's more funny is you didn't know what it was right away, Suzanne. Well, I was going to say that I didn't recognize. Right. You know, what, what Suzanne will tell you, she went to a very prestigious school in the same conference as these guys. <laughs> and she didn't know who they were. Well, the, Lori, do you know? I am so unfamiliar. I went to Santa Clara University. I think they were known for soccer. Definitely was not into the sports. So <laughs> I I have no like inkling of like the conferences, like NCAA, like none of that. But my friends definitely root a lot for like Oregon State or like mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Those are like just the two that I'm familiar with, but not on any regularity whatsoever. Got it. Yeah, David and I rep the Big Ten. Big 11, right? Well, shit, it, 11 it's now? even bigger than 11 now. So. Okay. So I, I, I've i been out of college and out of sync for a while. That's fair. Well, that's why we are talking cybersecurity today, right, David? Yes, exactly. <laughs> We'd have to get our, our colleague Hackenberg on this podcast to talk football and sports. But we could, for sure. Lori, can you introduce yourself? Your product counsel at Google. Tell us a little bit about uh, your background and you know how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So, hi everyone. My name is Lori Ma. I am currently product counsel at Google, supporting Google Cloud uh, in the field of security and cybersecurity. I actually got my start. I have sort of a weird engineering background. I did mechanical engineering when I was um, in undergrad and I totally thought I was going to be some kind of race car driver. Obviously didn't pan out. I ended up becoming a lawyer instead. Um, I was really drawn to privacy when I first started law school. I was working uh, still for Google, doing a lot of, you know, basically privacy review-like things for um, Android and other hardware products, which really intrigued me. And from there, because I had sort of this technical background in security and, um, you know, making massive IT projects, migrations, virtual machines, you know, data things, um, it really fell into cybersecurity as sort of my current role. Um, And so I've had over 10 years experience in this particular industry. I've seen this go from just security when people didn't really know what privacy was to sort of delineation between security and privacy. And now we really have sort of these two 
specific sort of industry areas that are very closely connected because you cannot have one without the other. You hit on an interesting point. So can you please delineate between privacy and cybersecurity? Like how would you define it to our listeners? You know, I think that privacy is sort of this aspect of having a choice. Um, You know, you can choose to uh, have certain parts of yourself or your data or things exposed, but you should also expect security. I would say the security is not something you really have a choice on. And without security, you cannot have privacy. But security is something that you, that most users expect um, from their data, from companies, and from just anything that um, they really share things with. Well, today, <clears throat> we, we, we hinted uh, at the top of the show about this big uh, Supreme Court case, right? Uh, Van Buren versus United States, and um, I think mo—I think it's safe to say most of our viewers don't know much about it. So, take us through that case, high level, so that Dave and I can kind of start start to dissect and what does that mean to our our podcast listeners. Of course. Uh, so this is actually quite an interesting case that came out of Georgia. It it kind of started off as sort of a small time FBI sting. So there was a particular police officer, um, you know, Van Buren. He essentially needed money. He was in a small town. Uh, So he asked sort of this local um, individual who he didn't know at the time was sort of an FBI informant. So this this individual went to the FBI and said, oh, you know, this police officer is like really needing money. How do we um, kind of nab him? And so the FBI set up a sting operation that sort of um, had the individual requesting Van Buren for some information about a license plate and uh, in exchange for money. And Van Buren then went ahead and actually used his access to the Georgia Crime Information Center to locate this license plate uh, and kind of, you know, respond. And so, of course, the FBI then came and arrested him and said, well, you know, you've had unauthorized access to the systems based on the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Um, so we're going to basically charge you. Um, obviously, uh, uh, several lower courts actually agreed with the FBI, uh, but Van Buren went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And I believe it was in 2020 that the Supreme Court had decided to review the case. And they uh, released an opinion in June of 2021 on this particular case. Wait, so, so, so this happens in real life? I mean, I've seen it in the, in the movies, right? Yeah. But uh... So people yeah, are, it is you, wild. People are selling access to data based on their level of access. You know, I'm sure it happens more often than not. But in this particular case, uh, you know, it's it's unclear what the specific background is, but mm-hmm. it it is it seems to be common that mm. you know people with certain types of access could reveal information from the access in exchange for monetary benefits. Okay. So, so what, what was the was, outcome? Uh, sorry, Susanna. What was the outcome of the Supreme Court ruling? Right. So, interestingly enough, while the lower courts said yes, you know, he exceeded authorized access, or you know, he did commit computer uh, fraud and abuse, he violated this particular statute. Uh, the Supreme Court actually reversed this ruling, hmm. and the reason for this hmm. reversal was that they actually delineated between 
you know, there's not really like a good definition for authorized access. And so in this ruling, they sort of delineated what it means to really exceed authorized access. And they definitely felt like um, what they define authorized access or violating authorized access is when somebody accesses files and info that is otherwise off limits to them, Mm-hmm. but they may have a- authorized access to the particular machine or computer or data repository. And they differentiated Van Buren's case because while he did access this information in the Georgia Crime Information Center, he actually had had the ability, he was authorized to access this information. Right. So it's, it was within his limits. You know, he was a police officer. It was an improper reason for access, but he certainly was authorized to access it. And so that is actually the reason why they reversed the ruling. And this is particularly interesting for, uh, I'm sure you can imagine a lot of cybersecurity professionals because the standard in the industry for cybersecurity, especially for researchers, is to poke and prod around to try to see, you know, where is their security vulnerability? Mm-hmm. Where are there areas in which they can access things? Perhaps they shouldn't, um, and, and it is perhaps an improper reason. But in the end, you know, if the Supreme Court had ruled the other way, it would be pretty detrimental because if you think about any person who, you know, if they're taking a broad view, if they go to the library, if you're browsing the internet with a work computer, right? If you're, if we were to really take sort of the FBI view on this, then we're all sort of in violation of, you know, the, the CFAA. Well, what about healthcare providers, right? They have access. Correct. I think I healthcare wonder. providers is really interesting because, you know, there, there are some other policy and maybe rules governing it. But this particular case kind of makes it clear that simply having those policies without having any physical or technical guideline, like Controls. guards to that data is is really inadequate if we mm. were to really drill down to sort of the consequence of what this means for most companies, right? We we all have employee handbooks. We all um, know what sort of like the guardrails of the access data within our companies are, but without sort of those hard lines, you know, maybe it's just, maybe it is not exceeding authorized access because you have wow. authorized access to internal systems. So that's, I think that's pretty huge. I wonder right. what this is going to do for regulations like uh, or compliance frameworks around PCI and HIPAA, um, you know, especially HIPAA, for example, around healthcare, you know, there, there are mandates that, that in, in, as a healthcare provider, you're not supposed to go look at patient records that you don't have a need to look at, even if you have access mm-hmm. and, you know, PCI, same idea, right? You go look at, uh, a famous person's credit rating because you have access. Well, you shouldn't, right? But you do. And can you be held accountable to that? And it sounds like based on this ruling, if I work for uh, Chase, Visa, Chase, Master, Chase Visa, right? And, and Lori, you happen to be a customer of ours and I go look at your stuff because I can, I've authorized to, even though I don't have a business need to do so, you can't fire me for that. I mean, I think that you can probably be fired for that. Maybe the FBI can't well, uh, arrest okay, you fair. and investigate you for a crime. 
Um, so right. I think there's definitely still sort of like corporate level consequences that can, right consequences. You can be up for termination. Mm-hmm. You could potentially be fined um, for for monetary things. You know, uh, losses and, and and other things that are happening. Um, but there has been sort of this interesting consequence as of this case. Um, there was a particular case from I think it's High Q Labs versus LinkedIn. This actually happened back in 2019, where I think this particular lab was scraping publicly available information from LinkedIn because LinkedIn right. is, is out there and they were kind it of putting is, together right. like this separate resource. And so, of mm-hmm. course, LinkedIn um, sued. And at the time, the United States Ninth Circuit um, basically said this is what scraping and it's okay. And so the Supreme Court based on Van Buren actually asked the Ninth Circuit to revisit that particular ruling. And they were Mm. able to confirm that, you know, this is still the case where uh, IHQ Labs did not violate, you know, Mm. sort of any kind of unauthorized access because the LinkedIn APIs were available publicly. So they sort of made it available, Mm. um, maybe not for that particular purpose, right? They didn't envision another company being able to go and web scrape, they were thinking about, you know, maybe just having the API so the developers can use it to connect to LinkedIn or do sure. other things. But this, you know, apparently um, was in line with the Van Buren decision of just allowing this to happen. So wow. I think that further then helps companies think about what kind of APIs are they making available to the public? And, you know, if it's a purpose that they hadn't thought of, maybe they need to start revisiting what kind of limitations those APIs should have. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Does this really enable bad actors um, to access data that compromises privacy? And moreover, for, in the cybersecurity world, David, like, does that also help practitioners step up their game in terms of permissions, right? Adding those controls. I think in the cyberspace, it's going to, it's going to add some more fuel to the fire of they need to do more around protecting the data, you know, role-based access controls, zero trust, limiting privilege. Mm -hmm. Um, I think all that's going to come into play and, and maybe even more so, the, the whole auditing and, and logging of access, right? So you have the ability to detect it instead of waiting for the FBI to show up and say, hey, by the way, you know, Lori was selling your credentials or whatever, or your personal data on the internet. Yeah, Lori, uh, based on this ruling, as a, a product counsel of, of one of the largest technology companies, where, where does that all fit in and how you approach your day-to-day and as you guys bring in new products and do all, you know, you guys, you're constantly faced with the, these decisions. How does this ruling impact your day-to-day decisions? You know, I think given that um, from the from the controls perspective, there's not really much from a product that changes from a product counseling day-to-day because we know that the controls are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more to reaffirm that, you know, as David said, we need role-based permissions. We need to ensure that, you know, we have not just policies in place, but actually like 
technical gates um, and things that actually prevent access and, and make sure that all of the access is not just for proper reasons, but it's also, you know, authorized um, under, under the circumstances. I do think that for perhaps smaller companies or, you know, I, I used to work for, um, I used to consult for startups and I think at the time, you know, when you think about having a startup, like everyone has access to that repository, all the developers are on it. There's like very few lines between like a sandbox environment to a pre-production right. environment to a production environment. And so as soon as you start to get that first, you know, um, proof of concept, your first customer, maybe they're doing a pilot. That's when like the lines are starting to blur because maybe you're not supposed to be using you know, certain things within a sandbox environment and a production environment and those lines of data cross. And it becomes sort of a liability for those smaller companies who don't have those really defined lines of like, you know, what can you really access? I wonder, uh, Lori, I'm not sure if you're familiar much with net neutrality, but I wonder what this ruling has from an impact perspective on the carrier's ability to glean your data or your browsing habits and sell that because for for years the carriers were prohibited from uh, especially the isps in, in particular from looking at your browsing history and then sending you targeted or selling your browsing history to um third parties who might want to pitch you stuff right or sell you stuff and the net neutrality right. came into play how does this because because now it's authorized access it, you mm -hmm. know you you guys have access to the data i'm not talking about you google but uh isps carriers have access now to all of susanna's browsing history mm -hmm. and up to this point there's been a, a a demarcation between the ability for the isp to be able to sell susanna's behavior because of you know net neutrality and some of the other things that were in place you see I would say that this is, you know, the, the, the interesting thing is we still have to go back to the fact that, like, there are privacy regulations that exist. There are, you know, sort of rules around personal data. So just because you may have authorized access doesn't necessarily mean you automatically have no privacy around those things that are located in there, right? And so um, I can kind of goes back to the original sort of delineation between like what is privacy and what is security. I think that this ruling is very narrowly within the security space of sort of helping cybersecurity and, and sort of the industry craft better practices around how they mm -hmm. access data, how they maybe use data, how they how they think about permissions uh, when it comes to the repository, not just of their own data, right, for employees, but also for customer data. Whereas at the same time, from a I think from a net neutrality perspective, even if the ISPs had authorized access to Susanna's browsing history, they may not, they may be prohibited under, you know, certain regulations from selling it, from using it. Like Susanna still has rights around that data, even if someone access it. And if somebody has authorized access, sells the data, um, they would still, there would still be consequences for them to do that. Um, and Susanna can still, you know, especially if she's EU resident, and kind of bring a GDPR yeah. complaint. Yes. Yeah. Well, about EU throws sales. a whole nother wrench in the mix, but yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I have to ask so, what was the argument uh, by this police officer? Like, what was his argument? What was his defense? Was it the fact that he had authorization? 
Right. He, I think that, well, I don't know that he specifically <laughs> provided this defense, but I think his defense attorney uh, probably sort of found this fact that since, since this concept of like exceeds authorized access was not defined in 1986, mm-hmm. I think he argued that it was really out of date for how the modern world works. And in some ways, I think the court, the lower courts were sympathetic to this argument because again, you think about like, uh, if you're on a website, if you're at the library, if you're using your work computer and you're maybe browsing something that is like uh, of personal nature or or you happen to stumble upon an area where like you, you know, see all these signs is like, don't access this particular drive. And then you, you go into anyways, like, right. you know, it could really implicate like the whole of the internet. There's, there's so many people that would be violating the CFAA if the rule was really read that narrowly. Um, but in this particular case, obviously there were some other things about it. There was some bribery going on. There were some right. other things that I think they wanted to kind of push forward. Um, but I, I think that it is from a validity standpoint this is a positive for cybersecurity because again, the standard for, you know, security research is to poke and prod um, to see where the holes are. And we don't want folks to stop doing those things because we need to understand, you know, where the vulnerabilities in our systems are. Mm. Well said. Yeah, that was, that was going to be my, my follow-up question. Um, And you nailed it, David, as you look at the broad kind of umbrella of cybersecurity, Thoughts around this ruling? It's a good thing, as as Lori mentioned. <clears throat> I'm not sure that I have enough uh, detail, or I haven't. I, I can't say I've thought about it enough to have, if I'm comfortable yet with the decision. Um, <clears throat> and, and I'm thinking more of what are the what are the unintended consequences of this very narrow ruling around unauthorized access. Um, you know, I agree completely with Lori. Security people need to be able to poke and prod and and test and evaluate. But there's got to also be some level of regulatory body that's driving privacy uh, requirements. <clears throat> and that that one will be interesting to see how that starts to evolve. Because, Lori, my my expectation is with that ruling, privacy lawyers are trying to figure out now how do we add some more protection in any of these frameworks to protect the data, right? And, and, you know, there are controls, yes, but how do we, how do we make it so that it can't happen? And and I I don't, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting uh, Pandora's box, in my opinion, Um, you know, obviously uh, bribery and, and all those other things, dude should, should go to jail unauthorized access is an interesting problem. Yeah, and how 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 will access be defined going into the future, right? Going forward, moving forward. Absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh final uh, thoughts, Lori? It's it's an interesting problem. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Lori, as we wrap things up? Um, I do think that this is obviously a rapidly changing industry. I'm sure that, you know, since this is such a recent case, there will be 
um, perhaps regulatory, you know, changes as a result of this particular ruling. Like I said, it is fairly narrow for now, um, but I am interested to see how, you know, companies, especially companies that have zero trust solutions respond, because I think mm-hmm. this is also positive for, you know, those types of products, because this allows you to actually have technical gates to access. And mm-hmm. um, I think this is going to be a really exciting time for the industry. Awesome. Well said. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Lori Ma, for joining us today uh, on today's episode. Thank you for having me. And thanks uh, to our viewers as well. Thank you for for joining us. Uh, If you have feedback about today's podcast, you have a follow-up question for Lori, David, um, or myself, please contact us at podcast at highwirenetworks.com or leave a comment. And be sure to join us for our next episode logging back on, helping employees recover from a cyber attack. Until next time, I'm Susanna Song. And I'm Dave Barton. And this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, rate the episodes you enjoyed, share, and leave us a comment. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. Remember, the more you know about cybersecurity, the safer you'll be. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcasts.